Hey, what's up, everybody? You're listening to Cannabis Karaoke, where we ask you to grab the mic and tell your story. Get inside info from today's most interesting cannabis pioneers, and from the first note to the end of the song, listen up as you get to hear the stories of success on Cannabis Karaoke. All right, welcome back to another episode of Cannabis Karaoke. Our guest today is, uh, I feel like, is on the forefront of cannabis tourism. I mean, when you think about cannabis, you don't always think about cannabis tourism. You just think about people buying weed. You think about people going into dispensaries. You think about the black market going away. But I feel like, and I think a lot of other people, in addition to our guests, feel like cannabis tourism is on the, on the fringe of being a big deal. So I want to welcome Matt Kurth to the show, uh, founder, CEO, and probably the janitor of Humboldt Cannabis Tours. And uh, what a story we're going to have today. And I got a couple things that I want to ask you about. But Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking the time and uh, excited to hear your story today. Well, thank you so much for having me, Danny. I really appreciate um, having the audience and appreciate all listeners listening. And I'm really excited to talk about cannabis tourism. Yeah. So <clears throat> for those that don't know, you know, the can of curious, Humboldt is pretty much the motherland of cannabis, uh, Emerald Triangle, Emerald Ring, whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, long since established as like the genesis of cannabis, in my mind, you know, um, from day one. Why, besides that, did you decide to try to start a tourism business in a town that is hard to get to? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, so we're we're located about five hours north of San Francisco, so we are a little hard to get to. Um, but I, well, first of all, I love Humboldt County. It's my favorite place ever. Like, I keep joking with everybody that I'm going to buy a burial plot here soon because <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> but uh, I just love Humboldt County so much. And um, yeah, I just feel like we have something up here that people are really craving nowadays. We have like authenticity. We have nature, we have clean air and water and food. And I think a lot of that really resonates with people. And we have the best cannabis in the world along with that too. Um, so yeah, I really want to share Humboldt County with people and the cannabis is like the main part of that. But really I want to share the total Humboldt County with people. That's kind of one of my secrets to the tour is that it's, it's, a, it's a cannabis tour, but we also learn a lot just about Humboldt County in general and how we became this big cannabis center and things like that. Um, cause we have a lot of cannabis history here that goes all the way back to the sixties. It is the land of sun grown too, where <clears throat> in this day and age, a lot of people are me personally, I prefer sun grown. I think it has a better body. I think it, um, there's just something about the plant growing the way it's supposed to grow that I think entertains me. Uh, it's like a, it's just like, it's got a better taste to me. And then, but you have a lot of people yeah. that are they, are a lot of people surprised when they go on the tour to not to see the sun grown and not see a lot of the other indoor because I know there's probably some indoor going on up there but yeah when you take them out to the farms are people surprised at what they see like give me a little bit of a or give our listeners a little bit of a insight to somebody's first time seeing a, a pineapple yeah so definitely so people are really excited to see the plants and um, I think people are most surprised about the quality of the outdoor. I think a lot of people have this um, conception that indoor is better than outdoor. And what I've found, I, I, I don't think I disagree with that. I think indoor can look better sometimes. And sometimes you can even smell better. Yeah, it has a better think, nose sometimes. just Yeah. It's but when you smoke it, I think, the, yeah, the outdoor is always better. Like, and that makes sense. Like, every other plant is better outdoor. It's like, would you rather have a tomato from a greenhouse or would you rather have a tomato from your friend's backyard? Like you're always going to take the backyard tomato 
And I think that's true. I mean, if, if, can, if cannabis does grow better inside, it's the only plant that does, <laughs> which would be odd. Well, know? I think it's a monetary reason <clears throat> that we moved to growing plants on the inside. And look, let geography wise, like when you're in the middle of Iowa, um, mm-hmm. you're, not, you're probably not going to grow outdoor plants. And so I think, you know, what are your thoughts, I guess I should say, say on, you know, as we're learning more about the plant and really this isn't your forte, but we're, since we're chatting about the quality of cannabis, Sure. I think as people start to understand the reaction of terpenes and all the other uh, platelets, if you will, that are involved in the plant versus just the THC and the nose. I mean, we still have this kind of people want to buy a plant, buy flour that's testing out at 28% and, you know, is just stinks up your whole house when in reality might not even get you high. Yeah. And that might not be the best medicine at all. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, our, it's, really, it's really interesting. I think I think Sun Grown is gonna, you know, you got the Emerald Cup who obviously honors the uh, mm-hmm. honors the Sun Grown farmer, but I think as people start to as we become more educated about the plant in general, um, I know for me after smoking as many years as I have, and, and I'm curious to see what you say. There's certain things that like I smoke and I go, oh, I have a good reaction with this, and then there's certain things that I'm just like makes me think yeah. too much. Like I don't want to think that much. Um, tell me about a little bit about that for you. And then we'll move back into like a day in the life of Humboldt. Like what are your, what do you, what do you puff on when you're, when you're downtime in it? Yeah. Yeah. So I use, I'm a flower smoker and I use smoke out of a bong. Um, and yeah, so I I like flower and I I definitely like outdoor. Um, and I like outdoor for different reasons. I think outdoor is better medicine because I think you get a broader, like you were talking about, there's all those different chemicals in the cannabis plant. There's all the cannabinoids, which is like THC and CBD and CBN. And there's a bunch of other ones we're still learning about. And there's also all the terpenes and all the phytochemicals and all that stuff and all that stuff, how it all works together on you. um, They call that the entourage effect. And I think the entourage effect is really, really important. And I think you get more of those chemicals and a broader spectrum of them in outdoor. So I think outdoors, it's, it's a better high. I think it's also way better medicine if you're trying to get healed. And also it's really way better for the environment. I mean, there's really no way that you can argue that indoors is better for the environment. I mean, the carbon footprint is massive on indoors. Plus, um, you usually have to use more chemicals and the lights, the lights have mercury in them, all that stuff. Every step of indoor has, um, has chemicals involved in it and things like that and stuff that's funky. And when you grow outdoor, you just remove all that. Now I'm not like, I'm not opposed to indoor. I think it definitely has a place in the market. Um, especially for people that need like fresh product all the time. Like if somebody's on a cannabis juicing program, which is a whole amazing rabbit hole is fresh cannabis juice, but that is like, then you need fresh cannabis all the time. Or if you need really clean cannabis, like if you have a a compromised immune system or things like that, or if it's not legal to grow outside in your your area, I think indoor definitely has a place. But I see see the industry moving – I think it's going to move more towards indoor, more towards outdoor. But it's going to take some time. It's going to take some education of the customers because right now there's that perception that indoor is better. But I think as the customers – and the users, cannabis smokers, become more sophisticated and they become more educated themselves, they're going to move towards sun-grown. Because all the people I know that have a lot of experience in cannabis, that have been smoking for years and really know what they're getting and things like that, everybody likes outdoor better. I don't. The, the people that, that I know that spend the most time with cannabis like outdoor better, even the indoor growers. I know indoor growers that, that buy outdoor weed from somebody else. Well, <clears throat> I'll be honest with you. My neighbor's been growing for as long as I've been living across from him, and I get my halibut 
salmon and cannabis um, from him, and he just grows the meanest outdoor you've ever seen. And, you know, I do – it's like – and I'll leave it with this, and we'll pivot back to kind of your guys' sure. deal. But it's like you don't walk in the liquor store going, where's the moonshine? You know, you like – you kind of no, I use that a lot, you, especially like wine and beer. Like yeah. the people that buy wine by the alcohol content are winos. Like nobody yep. buys wine. If you went and bought the wine with the strongest alcohol content, it'd be Thunderbird or whatever. It'd be and it's gross. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's garbage. Usually. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think and beer's the same way. Like people don't buy beer by the alcohol content necessarily. They buy it by the like the sophisticated beer drinkers. Um, they, they use the IBUs, which is the bit, the bitterness of the hops and things like that. And I think, I think cannabis is going to move that way because the most sophisticated people I know in cannabis are already there. It's just the, re- everybody else needs to learn enough to be on board with us. You know what I mean? So I just want to bring everybody back around. We're talking with Matt from Humboldt cannabis tours. And while we've gone off on a little bit of a leg on sun grown, I think you can understand why Matt's passionate about you know, bringing people through these different farms and really helping to educate. So tell me a little bit, you know, help us understand what a day in the life is. I mean, I know you got to gas the van up and you got to make sure everything, but like you're picking up people. What is an, ex- sure. what, what have you seen people's experience be when they're for the first time seeing an outdoor grow and kind of in the middle of it, like share that a little bit so our listeners can understand. Well, that's one of my favorite experiences to provide people with is that like awe when they open the van door and we're like at the farm and there's thousands of plants and it's all smelly and things like that. And it's like people, I mean, their eyes get big, their mouth opens up and they're kind of like in awe, many people, because most people haven't, I mean, even me, like the scale of what's going on now in the legal industry is so big like relatively big to even the biggest stuff that was going on in the, in the unregulated industry, you know? So like, so we visit like a 30,000 square foot greenhouse. That's one of the places we visit and it's just super high tech and so many plants. And, um, even people that have seen cannabis plants before haven't usually seen it at that scale, like done, done at that scale. So it's really cool to see that many plants. Most people that have seen cannabis plants have seen like a closet full or maybe a bedroom full or somebody has one on their deck. Yeah. Yeah. Or one plant on a deck or they've seen pictures in a magazine, but yeah, most people haven't seen like an acre of, of like of 10 foot tall plants. It's pretty, it's, it's pretty impressive. And even me, like I'm like, I see it all the time and I've been doing cannabis my whole life. It's still, it's still impressive to me. Um, just how big things are getting now. It's not big in the scale of like compared to regular agriculture. Like I say, it's a 30,000 square foot greenhouse, which is three quarters of an acre. So compared to any other agriculture, it's, way small but when you compare it to the cannabis like it's big things like that you know yeah so i really love to see the wow on people's faces and then usually the questions start right away um and that's really what one of the things i focus on a lot on the tour is trying to educate and answer questions i really want everyone to come away from the tour feeling like they learned something a lot Um, it's more important to me that people learn something than that they get really stoned really yeah absolutely (laughs) and a lot of these people i would assume are first time users possibly. Um, I, I yeah, wanna... we, get a, we get a mix. So it's, and that's an interesting thing. So we get, um, I say like probably the bulk of what we get are, are people that smoke, but they're like nighttime smokers or weekend smokers. You know what I mean? And then we have the other end of the spectrum, like, like probably 10% of my people 
don't hardly don't smoke at all. Don't smoke really that much. Maybe smoke once a month or something like that. And I've had a few people that don't smoke at all and have, have never smoked, and they don't really they don't, and they don't really want to either, which is interesting. And those people, I got a lot, I got a lot of respect for. Those are like really smart people usually because they they want to learn about something even though it's not like their thing. You know what I mean? It's. I mean, <clears throat> I tell people all the time, cannabis is probably the biggest thing to hit this planet since we discovered fire. Um, yeah. you know, it's, 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 it's so multifaceted and so out of control, um, that something like yourself is, you know, the, the tours are bringing people back to the spot of, it's almost like the Holy land. Right. So yeah, it kind of is like a, pil- like a pilgrimage. Yeah. For, for, and for a lot of people and a lot of people really treat it like that. Like they, I get a lot of people from out of state from not legal states specifically. Like we get a lot of people from the Southeast, and the South and the Midwest and things like that. And for a lot of them, it is like a pilgrimage. Like they're coming to the, the place they've heard about their whole life and they want to see it with their own eyes. And it's really awesome to be able to provide people with that experience. And it's easy too for me on like the selfish level because people are already so stoked about it. You know what I mean? It makes my job easy. It's like driving nice. them through a zoo. They're just, they don't, they don't have to do much entertaining. It's just eyeballs and cell yeah. phones well, and, and like pictures. A, like you know? a zoo, like a zoo that they've read about since they were kids. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, so, and, and I think Humboldt doesn't disappoint either. Like they they come here, and I think people find what they're looking for. They're not disappointed. They 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 come they come looking for something, and they find it. It's which is really cool. So one of the things I'm going to ask you about is I know you've had some interesting tour groups. Talk talk <laughs> talk to me about the nuns, bro. Talk to me about oh, taking yeah. some nuns across these cannabis uh, farms. How was that? And how did that come to? I want to know a couple things. How did that come to happen? What was their experience? And then what was the recap of that? Like, I want to know those two things. I want people to hear it. Sure. Yeah, that was great. So that was the, 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 the nuns. They're called, well, a lot of people know them as the cannabis nuns, and they're all over social media. But their actual name, they're called Sisters of the Valley. And they are, um, so they're nuns, but they're not Catholics. They're not, they're not even really Christians, I don't think. They seem, <laughs> it seemed, it seemed like pa- they're mostly pagan to me. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, so they're definitely not Catholics for sure. Not Catholics, you know? Um, yeah. And they're cool, but they, but they, they wear the whole habit. So they have the whole habit on and they're also, they're deeply spiritual. Like they're not, I kind of, um, when I first kind of found out about them, I thought like, oh, this is a good marketing, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, none, that's going to get a lot of attention. Good. But then when I met them, they're like legitimately spiritual healers. Like they're the real deal. You know what I mean? And they're, they're using, um, they're using the habits and they're using the vocabulary of that stuff to leverage it and get their word out there. But they're really legitimate, like really legitimate, deeply spiritual, deeply he- like interested in healing people. And yeah, they, and they have a, they have a, they have a, what do they call it? It's a, uh, it's a monastery kind of thing, but for women, I forget what it's called. Um, but they have like a monastery in, um, in Bakersfield and they make medicine. So they make salves and creams and things like that. And they're also deeply involved in like cannabis activism and working towards, um, making cannabis more a part of Bakersfield. Cause Bakersfield is, they, they totally banned cannabis in Kern County. And so they really are still like it. It can seem in Humboldt or in even Northern California, like, oh, we won the battle. Cannabis is legal. But in a lot of places in California, cannabis, the commercial part of cannabis still is not legal. And a lot of people are still fighting to get access to legal cannabis in California, which is interesting. So they're a big part of that. And yeah, they're awesome. 
So yeah, they came out and we took them to a bunch of farms. They wanted to bless farms because that's like their big thing. They really want to bless plants. <laughs> so um, we, I, I was, uh, I was contacted by one of the sisters named Sister Star, who's got this amazing healing story from cannabis. It basically saved her life, which is not the first time I, I, I hear that over and over again. But cannabis definitely saved her life, um, according to her. And um, yeah, so she contacted me, and then the nuns came up. They're, they have they have a documentary that, that they made that just got premiered. So they're premiering it. They're doing a Humboldt County premiere, which was like their pilgrimage up to Humboldt because they wanted to premiere the movie up here, which is which is cool. Um, yeah, so we visited a bunch of farms, and they blessed a bunch of plants. And kind of how the blessing works is they burn sage, and then they walk around all the plants, and they have these like amazing songs that they sing. So they're like singing songs. Um, basically blessing the plants to be healthy and to heal people once they're harvested. It was, it was pretty cool. I, th I thought, to be honest, I thought a little bit going into it, they'd be a little hokey, you know, but I was like, I was moved at, at points during the tour. Like they're, they're, they're the real deal. Like they're really spiritual. They're cool. <laughs> I've definitely caught <clears throat> some of their media that's been out and about. And, you know, to your point, you always, I mean, there's a lot of hokiness in the space. Uh, and to, from what I've read and saw about them, I was like, and then learning um, that they, you know, made the venture up and did the tour with you. I was like, okay, all right. These, these ladies are definitely, and I think it's really important because I do, you know, people always say I'm in this because I want to help people and I want to do the medicinal side. But in the reality, they're just stuff in their pockets. I think, yeah. I think for me that, you know, I had my own situation where I had kind of a trifecta of my, my wife having a brain tumor, my dad dying from opiate addiction, and Tommy Chong, mm. my business partner, uh, contracting uh, rectal cancer after beating yeah. prostate cancer. <clears throat> and I was, I was like, I just need to go tell people's stories, and I just need to go help people understand the medicinal side and the healing side of it. So for me, that's like, I believe cannabis heals whether you realize it or not when you're using it. Um, the plant has yeah. a funny way of picking you uh, and, <laughs> and giving you what you need because you will um, you know, uh, participate. However, whether it's edible smoking tinctures, whatever you do, you're going to figure that out. We haven't gotten to the point where we can dial it in to know exactly I know what works for me, but that's after 30 plus years of smoking yeah. weed, you know what I mean? And yeah. so I think it's, I think it is an important feature. And I think that's really cool that you had the opportunity to bring them in and have them kind of fulfill what they felt was a journey on their own. Um, yeah, it was it, cool. Explain to me or the listeners a little bit about how these farms interact with you. Because, it, look, it's one thing to be like, I'm going to take a bunch of people through some farms. It's a whole nother project to actually get these farms on board. T tell us a little bit about that process. You've been doing this for a little over four years now. So tell us a little bit about that process. Like That had to have been a huge hurdle to get over. Yeah, that was a big challenge. Um, and the, so the first challenge was, is I've, I've been doing cannabis forever since I was a teenager, selling grams to my friends in high school, probably. And then, you know, that moved on. I, I grew weed for a couple of years. And I, I worked on lots of farms. So I've been in cannabis a lot. Um, but I, all the people I knew in cannabis, to be honest, they've all stayed pretty much in the unregulated market, in the traditional market. So I had to go out of my social circle and find these farms. So I started off really just cold calling people because there were certain people that were kind of out there in the media and things like that. Um, that were that kind of accessible. Like you could find them on Facebook and things like that. 
So I contacted a lot of farms, just cold calling, cold calling, and just trying to get coffee with people. And then finally, I found a few farms that were willing to work with me. And yeah, it's a really interesting thing because, you know, it's a balance of what I need and then what they're willing to do. You know what I mean? So for example, some of the farms that I talked to were like, yeah, we'd love to have you out, but um, we'd like to do a background check for all the guests that come out. And it's like, well, you know, I'd really love to visit your farm, but that's not feasible for my, for my tour. You know what I mean? It just doesn't work like that. You know what I mean? Um, or somebody would say, oh, I'd love to have your tour come out, but I'm four hours deep on a dirt road on top of a mountain. You know sure. what I mean? Which doesn't, doesn't like, doesn't work for me as much either, you know? So I really had to find a nice balance of farmers that were like willing and able, like, you know what I mean? Um, cause there's nothing wrong with the, like the, the, the folks that want to background checks, that's fine. Like I can totally see wanting to be secure and careful with everything that makes sense. But if you, if you need to be that careful, then, then you can't do tours kind of, you know what I mean? Well, yeah. And everybody <clears throat> has their own interpretation of the regulations too. That's another thing that you come across, you know, like that's why I was saying it. Number one for me, I would have imagined like no fucking way are you coming to my farm is the first <laughs> yeah. response. The second response is okay. Only if everybody's got their medical card, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And well, and that's how I started off was under medical. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so I could, I understand that that's when, when, uh, no, you know, totally. I mean, and, there's, and, and to be honest, most farmers aren't interested in doing tours, but the good thing is for me is Humboldt County has tons of farms. So we have 2000 permitted farms in California. It's about 23% of the whole state's farms are in, are just in Humboldt County. So with that many farms, I only need like four or five or six to be to do tours. You know what I mean? So that's, I think that's what one of the things that really helped me is just a numbers game is I only needed five or six out of 2000. You know what I mean? But you're right. Like the vast majority of those, those other like vast majority of the farms aren't so much interested in it. Either they're not interested in it or their farm is not sited in a good spot or, or whatever. But that's the good thing for me is I don't, I don't need that many and we have a lot of farms. So sorting through all the not all those farms but sorting through many of those farms i was able to find some that were a good match for tours and were willing and and all that stuff so yeah but I, 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 it was it was um tough yeah and i had to another thing that helped a lot is um i joined we have a the humboldt county cannabis chamber of commerce so i joined the chamber of commerce here and i got on the board and that helped a lot because then i could have access to talking to a lot of people but yeah, it, it, it's challenging to have farms. And also people weren't, especially at first, people weren't as tuned into like the potentials of tourism and they didn't see the benefits of it as much. Um, and that, but now people are starting to come around. Like I was just in the coffee shop the other day and some guy gave me his card and I was like, I'd love to have you come out and visit. But it wasn't always like that. So now people are starting to come to me and being like, hey, I'd love to have visitors because they are starting to see the value of it, which there is giant value to, I think, to having visitors on a farm, if you're able to, has a lot of can add a lot of value to your farm for sure. Now, I I um I wonder <clears throat> a quick question, and, and it's a naive one: Can people yeah. buy? Can people buy weed when they're on the farm? Oh, that's a great that's a great question. So right now, in this moment, you can't buy weed at the farm. So what the state calls that in the regulations, they call that on-site sales. Right. So on-site sales are allowed for in the law under certain circumstances, but nobody, I don't think anybody in the state right now has it like actually built out and functioning. So there's a lot of places that have it in their plan, but it's like phase two or three. And now everyone's on phase one and they're just trying to survive. You know what I mean? Sure. So for example, one of the farms I work with, 
um, they're going to be putting in a tasting room. So, and it'll probably, it'll be done by next summer for sure. They, they think it'll be done by this winter or fall, but everything takes a little bit longer. So I'm kind of thinking maybe the spring, um, but yeah, they're, so they'll have a big greenhouse you can tour and then they're going to have a tasting room and you'll be able to buy it at the tasting room. So a full on winery model where you'll be able to go walk around, taste it and buy it all at the farm. So all that stuff's coming, but right now in this moment, um, we take folks to a dispensary and they can buy things at dispensary. So people can buy cannabis on the tour from a dispensary, but not directly from the farm, like at this moment, but that's coming very, very soon. Um, also along those lines, we're going to get Humboldt County is going to have many, many consumption lounges pretty soon too. Um, the city of Eureka has approved 14 consumption lounges which is a lot. It's a town of like 70,000 people. So 14 consumption lounges is a lot compared to the rest of the state. It's um, good to see that though. I mean, I think, I think that helps, you know, it helps bring people into the fold of, of what's happening. I mean, I, I, I truly believe on the spectrum of, of cannabis consumers that you're always going to have, I look at it like the pH scale, right? Like you're always going to have your way to the left stoner weed head, like just aficionado people. And then, from there to the other side, you're going to have people that will only consume cannabis if it comes from Purdue Chemicals or DuPont. And so yeah. the middle scope of people are going to be everything from, yeah, man, I smoked a joint when I was in high school, but that was 20 years ago, to you know, your elderly people that are like, I just had hip surgery. I just want something that's going to cut the pain and, and help me heal faster. So mm-hmm. I think it's it's an interesting play. The next question I have for you is, do, do you see repeat? people on tours do you i mean what how do you is this is it the same tour every time do you go to different farms how do you mix it up so that you get someone coming back for a second tour yeah so the tours well they always change actually and that's due to two factors um so one thing is that farms i think normally farms will change like due to the season. So for example, right now we visit a big greenhouse and a cannabis nursery. And then in a a couple of weeks, we're going to start visiting our big outdoor farms. And then that will go all the way through harvest, which is usually, I don't know, beginning of November. And then all the outdoor will be harvested. And then we'll switch in the wintertime to visiting a greenhouse and an indoor and dispensaries. So it does like you could come three times in a year and have three different tours, which is pretty cool. And that just has to do with the seasonality of, of farming, you know? And then another thing is I'm constantly adding new farms too. like, I have a bunch of places I visit right now that I didn't visit last year. And that's just because new farms are coming online. And I'm still get, like, I say that guy came up to me in the coffee shop and said, he wanted me to visit yesterday. So I'm going to follow up on him and maybe we'll be visiting him in a month. I don't know. You know what I mean? So yeah, right now it's a pretty cool time. You could come at different times and see totally different things especially like the spring versus the harvest you can come in the spring and see like greenhouses and small plants and nurseries and then you can come in the harvest and see like giant outdoor and like all the weed hanging up and drying and curing and all that so that's it's pretty cool i think i haven't had any repeat customers but i think you would definitely get a different tour if you came at different times of the year for sure yeah i mean i think first of all shout out to you for for kind of pioneering the situation in a somewhat hostile environment up there and you know really connecting the dots for people that don't read high times that aren't following you know two chains or Wiz Khalifa on Instagram and don't go to any sort of cannabis functions you know they, these are people usually 
sure you get your fair amount of weed heads, but a lot of these people probably are, are people that just want that are just curious to know more, right? Yeah. So, yeah, definitely. Well, and pe- I think people know that they don't. People know they need more information. You know what I mean? It's not like, like everyone's kind of everyone gets it that like they haven't got the whole picture. You know what I mean? Um, because cannabis, like we're still learning so more, so much more, and everything's changing so fast that people really want, they really do want to learn and figure out like what's going on. And a lot of times they're trying to figure out what's going to go. What's they're coming to California to try to get an idea of what's going to happen in their state in the future, which I think is smart too. Like people coming out from North Carolina and saying, "Oh, I know this is going to happen in North Carolina eventually." So, yeah. Do you do you outreach to like there. politicians or decision makers or like do you do you run any marketing like that? Just curious. Um, I try. I I, I probably need to push it more. Yeah. I have a policy where I'll take any politician who's voted into office or any badge carrying law enforcement goes for free. Oh, rad! So you heard it. Yeah. Okay. If you're listening yeah. to the podcast and you're. Uh, Civil servant, a, a person that works for the community, Matt's offering a free tour to, to kind of get you straight. Yep. Yeah. Anybody who's voted into office and anybody who carries a badge, including firemen for that matter. I'm going to start telling some people. Yeah. I, and I'd, I'd love to get more politicians, really, because I think like um, you can read books and you can read articles and you can learn things. But it's not the same as coming out and like seeing the farm and talking to the farmers. And it's usually it's not what people expect. People expect young men in flat brim hats and camouflage and dogs and guns and things like that. And instead it's little old gray haired ladies and cats and <laughs> butterflies, you know, that's so rad. It's, 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 it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we, we have, you know, that murder mountain documentary came out and it, um, that is starting to be the perception of what people have for what's going on in Humboldt County. Are you, have you seen murder mountain? Uh, I've seen pieces of it. Yeah. It scares the shit out of me. Yeah, well, and everybody too. So I've that, played. I never played up there, but I mean, yeah. my my route to cannabis was early on as a duffel bag boy. Um, oh, tried, yeah. tried my hand at indoor a little bit, but really good at transporting and selling boxes. And uh, yeah. you know, never had to really venture. Always had runners go up into into the North Coast, and uh, shit is real. You know. Yeah. But I mean, that's one part of it. Yeah. They, you know. Yeah. Well, for those aren't familiar, Murder Mountain is a document, a Netflix documentary about um this guy who was killed named garrett rodriguez and then the investigation into it and kind of the whole thing surrounding his murder um and yeah it doesn't paint humble county in a positive light it's really kind of dark and kind of scary and there's lots of uh like stock footage of people on quads with guns and things like that <laughs> um and that is a small part of Humboldt County, but it's not, it's not the Humboldt County that we know as locals. It's not, what, it's not the life we live every day. Well, no, but you know it's because I mean? that, was, that was in the deep black market days when you were facing serious time for doing it. And yeah. they were growing gold, bro. I mean, let's be yeah. real. It was five, $5,000 and up for a pound yeah. back then. And so when you're growing, when you're pumping out, you know, two, three, 400 pounds, yeah, you're and people are breaking into your property and like it was literally the Hatfields and McCoys up there for a minute until we started seeing some legalization and it sucks that you have to do that but it's really what kind of I think stabilized everything in the sense that like let's not kill each other over this let's all make some good money and like you're right it sucks that 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 that's why I've only watched bits and pieces because that's yeah. not the humble I knew. But let me yeah. tell you, you know, it, that's, that stuff was happening in the Santa Cruz Mountains as well. I mean, nobody was getting killed, but 
People are getting well, shot at, you know, for well, sure. Like, like look at uh whatever, Hunter, Hunter's Point or, um, or, or or Oakland at times. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, the, the lesson from Murder Mountain is that drug trafficking is a dangerous business. And <laughs> if you don't know that drug trafficking is a dangerous business, like you shouldn't be in the drug trafficking business. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you're, yeah, if you're, if you're selling thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of illegal drugs, like that's a dangerous thing. That's why, that's why, that's why people get paid so much for it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And when you lose, you know, you lose someone's box because it got, <laughs> it got snatched up. Doesn't mean that you don't owe for it. You yeah. Know? Like you oh, yeah, still, exactly. you yeah, still yeah. owe for that stuff. <laughs> Hey, I want to know, I want, you know, something that I think we talked a little bit off air about, which is, you know, people approaching us saying, you know, cannabis, so exciting. How do I, how do I get involved? What do I do? You're, you managed to uh, find a way, and this is what I tell people, find, find what you love. Do yeah. what you love in cannabis. You went out, you were already, you know, more or less an expert in the tourism space. You were already that's what you got your degree in. Right. Mm -hmm. And so how did you like, what compelled you? I know this, I know the answer to this, but I want my listeners to, to sure, really hear yeah. it from you is like, what compelled you to take what you learned in the quote unquote real world and bring it into the cannabis space and, you know, really feel like you're never working a day in your life. I mean, it's the hardest thing that we both agreed that we've ever done in our life is to work in this space, but you've actually managed to marry what, you wanted to do in general with the cannabis space. How did you make that decision? Why did you make that decision? And how do you feel about making that decision? <laughs> that was a good question. Um, so, well, it, it was kind of, it was almost natural the way the decision made. So I've got this background in recreation tourism. Um, I studied recreation in college and then I was a whitewater river guide for almost a decade. So I've got a lot of tours and I managed an aquatic center as well. So I've got a lot of tourism experience. And then also I've got all this cannabis experience for my whole life. Like I said, I've grown weed. I've been around weed my whole life. It's always played a prominent, prominent, like positive role in my life. So I had all this tourism knowledge and I had all this weed knowledge and then I was already living in Humboldt County and kind of had decided I loved it here. And there's not a lot of like recreation jobs and things like that. And also, um, I kind of, I don't know, maybe a lot of people have this feeling, but I don't know, maybe it's arrogance, but I had a, I had this feeling that I could, I always had this feeling that I could do a better job than my boss. Usually, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I always felt like, uh, man, I could do better than this person, whoever my superior was a lot. You know what I mean? Like say, maybe it's arrogance. I don't know. No, but that's, felt... that's the entrepreneur in you because <laughs> exactly, a true entrepreneur, yeah. like I've always, I've <laughs> only had two other jobs in my whole life and both of them were, the reason I left was, you know, I was overperforming, but they were like, you need to be in your seat at eight o'clock in the morning. And I'm just like, yo man, that ain't yes. me. And I ain't going to yeah, stay no, here for nine that. hours yeah. doing nothing. Like if I can get my job done in two, I'm out. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm going to go do something else. That's the entrepreneur in you. It's not cockiness. It's not, yeah. it's not insubordination. It's just the fact that you are not willing to play the time bandit game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so I kind of like decided I'd like figure out if I really could do a better job or not. And that's, and that's what I'm learning now. So that was kind of my whole pro. So like the, for me, the puzzle, all the puzzle pieces were like right in front of me. Like I had the tourism, I had the cannabis, I was living in humble. I wanted to make a living here. I had all the pieces, you know, so I just like, for me, it was really easy to put, kind of put those pieces together, you know? And yeah, it's been really difficult. Um, I don't know, to be honest. So how many people when, told you you were stupid? Oh, so many, so many people. Oh my God. I had, I had multiple people tell me that nobody would, nobody 
would ever want to go on a cannabis tour under any circumstances. I had two, two people specifically tell me that, that nobody will ever pay for this for any price, for any reason ever. Like this is like, <laughs> which is so crazy because people pay for anything. I mean, you can see, you know what I mean? But yeah, I had a lot of people tell me, I mean, even people in my own family, when I first brought it up, like most, mostly at first the reaction is people laugh at it. They're like, ah, <laughs> and they think I'm joking. And I'm like, no, no, we're going to do cannabis tours. And then, then they either have a lot more questions or they dismiss it as like, not, not possible. You know what I mean? But that's changing. Now everyone's really seeing the value of it. That was at first when no one had really heard of cannabis tourism. But now when I tell it to people, they say, oh, that's almost everyone says that's a great idea. Like that's going to go. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, at first, yeah, so many people, it's like, yeah, got, got laughed at for sure. Like, <laughs> let me ask you a question. I, yeah. I hear it still, bro. Like when I first came out of the cannabis closet, you know, I was working at the Golden State Warriors and, and mm-hmm. left, you know, and changed my LinkedIn. And I literally, and I, you know, I've worked in nonprofit. I've owned my own business. Like I got an image in the community. They're like, mm-hmm. you just committed social suicide. You're <laughs> never going to get a job again. You're never going to, you know, what are you thinking? And it's like now uh, those same people are like asking me how they yeah, can. Hey, what company do I invest in? Right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so there, yeah. explain like the pain that you had the probably those first couple tours, like where your bus wasn't full. Oh right. yeah. And even still now I'm still struggling to fill the bus. And, and yeah, right now, like things aren't, things are going okay. So to be honest, like last year I, I made about half of what I needed to break even. And this year I'm on track to break even if things keep going well. So even now it's not like from a strictly like business point of view, it's not like, it's definitely not gangbusters. Like I struggle to pay the bills every month. Like right now I'm like worrying about the rent this month to be honest you know what i mean absolutely so things yeah it's like things aren't definitely aren't easy yet but that, i think that's true for almost everybody in the cannabis business i don't know anybody who's making money to be honest well unless you like, went out and taken like some enormous investment and allowed you to just light money on fire right yeah and i and i don't know anybody like that you know what i mean like i know people that have got investment but not money like not like big canadian investment or sure. or things like that like the people that i know they got investment got like a million or two and that's spent like that's long gone yeah you know what it I mean? goes quick man they don't people don't realize how fast you know i always tell people <clears throat> when they're raising money just because you know you have to disassociate yourself from the money and realize that it's just a vehicle because people get drunk the first thing they do when they get a, a big investment is they're throwing a party at mj biz you know and <laughs> you're like dude you yeah. just wasted two hundred thousand dollars on that party when you should have been doing brand development and you should have been acquiring yeah, customer research. base you know yeah i think one of the things too i want to bring up to people you know that are listening to this is that dude you were you and i like we started too early like we're almost like pre- I, you know, I prehistoric you know prehistoric yeah. cannabis you know we're no i worry about that and i worry that like my the eye will burn out like that's the, the biggest like fact like my business is the business model i have is good and the tours are solid like that's for sure that's, everyone loves the tours i have a five-star rating on google everyone's ex- expectations are exceeded but um all the other stuff I struggle with is like the business, the back end stuff. Cause that's not what I, that's not my expertise, you know? So my big fear is that I will like burn out before cannabis tours and catches fire. You know what I mean? I feel like, um, like I'm trying to do wine tours in Napa County in like 1950. You know what I mean? When there was like two, two wineries. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No one cared, And no one drank wine. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and my fear is that, like my whole thing will run its course before it catches on. You know what I mean? So like wine tourism caught on in Napa, like in the eighties, you know? Sure. So yeah, that's one of my big concerns is like, maybe I think that often is like, damn, did I get into this too early? 
But um, yeah, how do you keep this- yourself from like saying fuck it? Like, what's your? Uh, yeah, um, I mean, like, because dude, I've hit the wall. Like, where I'm just like, fuck it, man. This I'm over. Yeah, no, this numerous shit. times. Yeah, you know? well, I think I, I, you know, I get a lot of. I think one of the great things about Humboldt County is we have a lot of cannabis businesses, and we have this amazing community, and they really come together for a lot of support. So like, I, like the cannabis chamber of commerce has been huge for me. Like sometimes we just sit around and complain, but it's just, it's, it's, it's really, I think being an entrepreneur or business owner can be like really isolating on its own. And then when you throw the cannabis into it, it can be so crazy isolating and you just feel like you're in the wilderness on your own. Um, and it's just so helpful for me just to go spend time with other people that are like going through the same thing. And like, cause even like my wife, she doesn't quite get it. Like she sees it every day. You know what I mean? But she doesn't – even she doesn't quite like – I don't know, quite get it. It's, I, 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 it's really valuable for me to just be around other people that are going through similar things, even though they might have a totally different business. Like they might be a farmer or an extractor or whatever. But they have like similar – we have similar problems, and it's, it's just nice not to feel um, alone. It can be really isolating sometimes. No, I think – I mean I think you nailed it, the word isolation. Um, everybody's your biggest critic – until you hit it and then they're your biggest fan and (laughs) you have to be able to not gather resentment or regret on your act. Like I look at this, like if this thing, if, if all of what I'm doing fails tomorrow, I gave it my best. You know what I mean? Like I, I can walk away saying I did the best, the very best I could. I just wasn't smart enough to navigate all the tricks and turns that were taking place in cannabis. But I have to, you know, I have this conversation a lot with people. It's like, you know, um, what, what really keeps you getting up every day? It's not, I know it's not the exit. Like I haven't heard you say that once, you know? So yeah, no. what is, <laughs> yeah. what, what does drive oh. Matt to get up every day and make this stuff happen? It sounds, I think I know the answer, but I want to hear what you have. Yeah, to say. I, I really want to see, I really, I really generally want to see cannabis tourism, like grow in Humboldt County, like in general, even if it grows without me, you know what I mean? Or grows way beyond me. I'm only a small tiny part of it. You know what I mean? But it's really important to me. I think, I don't know. So for me, there's two, two things are for like the environment is first, number one, always like that comes first for me. And then after that, the community comes second and our community in Humboldt County is really like under siege and it's really changing and not in a positive way. Um, and I think tourism can do a lot to like just improve our community and our economy and really move us into, into the future. Cause the future for Humboldt County is it, it's kind of uncertain right now. We don't have it on a lockdown. You know what I mean? Um, like th- it could all just go away. I think in 10 years, it's not, that's not a crazy thing. Like it's not, we're not solid. We're not super solid yet, you know? So I think tourism can play a big part in like bridging that gap and in helping us grow into the future and become like, everyone has this vision of Humboldt County being like France is to wine, you know? Um, and I don't see that happening without tourism. Like the reason France is France is because people go there to visit it and they experience it, you know? Um, and I think, yeah, I think it's just, it's something that needs to happen in our community. And I don't know, in some ways, like I'm well suited to fill that. I mean, I have the education and I have the experience and I have the time and all this stuff. So I feel like I'm in this place where I'm, where I can advance the community in general, you know? If I guess could, I don't know. Uh, if you yeah. could, no, it's solid, bro. I mean, it's you're a you're a champion for the plant. You're a champion for yeah. the. You want people to learn the right way. You want people to consume the right way, and, and ultimately, whether or not they do, you want them walking away a little bit more educated than than what they walked into it. Yeah. If when you, I want to spread Humboldt County around, like if I can make, 
if I can make the whole world like minutely more like Humboldt County, I've done my job <laughs> kind of, you know what I mean? Sure. Cause Humboldt County is such an amazing place. If I can, and I feel like people come in here and they experience it and they take a piece of Humboldt County home with them. And then it like grows there like a seed. You know what I mean? Sure. I, I, I want to ask you something that is going to come out of left field. Yeah. What, if you could wave a magic wand, what help would you ask for? Cause I know that's something I struggle with, mm-hmm. um, with asking for help or even really knowing what I need help with. Um, how do you go about that? Like how, who, who do you bounce things off or, or do you have a vision board or checklist of what Matt would like to do to improve the opportunity or, you know, if he could do something, who would that, who would that be with and what would it be? Yeah. I think what we need most is we need a plan for, for Mark. We, well, so first of all, we don't do a good job of marketing like tourism in Humboldt County in general, because we have the Redwoods here and we get a lot, we get 1.2 million visitors every year, just coming to the Redwoods alone. Cause the Redwoods are awesome and they're spectacular it's separate from the cannabis. You know what I mean? But we don't, we don't do a good job of even marketing that stuff. You know, um, there's a lot of different agencies marketing and they're not really working together and there's not like one concise plan. So I think what I'd like to see, like for the first step is to like get all the tours and stakeholders together and create like a, a countywide plan for marketing tourism with cannabis as like a, a part of that. You know what I mean? Cause it's like, we're, it's, it's like, we don't have a business plan as a business. If, if tourism's our business, we don't have a business plan. And that just doesn't work. You know what I mean? But I think, and, it, and that process might sound simple, but I think that process would be difficult and time consuming. So, I mean, it'd be easy to be like, Oh, I could use $20 million and hire a marketing campaign. But I think, th- I think even before that we need a, a plan, you know what I mean? And maybe hiring a marketing, a marketer is a part of that plan. But yeah, yeah. Like I think a, that part of that plan. question is, <laughs> is if you had the million bucks sitting in the bank, because look, man, you're not any different than any yeah. other. One thing I've learned in business, uh, you know, this is my third or fourth rodeo building businesses and selling them, um, you know, is that you don't have all the answers, number one. Number two, mm-hmm. people do not and cannot expect you to, to make, you know, to squeeze blood out of a turnip, right? You're going to have limitations and restrictions because of how you're growing something. I think you just nailed it. Like, and I, and I what I like about, you know, asking that question to people that are in business is, Sometimes, you know, one of the best things I learned from somebody was, and it was in a, in a business consulting thing when I was in my first, bought my surf shop early on and young, young kid, like really had never ran a square business before, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, the guy really told me, he said, look, the biggest error that most business people make is they just work in their business and they never work on their business. So, yes. Yeah. So you got to kind of step back and be able to work on your business. And those are the first steps to like you know, it's kind of like sitting back as a basketball team and you're like, man, who would we like to have play for us? And then you go, well, what's it going to cost to make that happen? You know, and then you can kind of reverse engineer it. Um, mm-hmm. I think you're at that stage now where, you know, I always tell people it goes from being an idea to a hobby to the startings of a business to where now I got to bring in people that may be smarter than me in certain areas that, that can help facilitate it. Cause truly, and I'm sh- maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you, you're sitting on a gold mine with that activity up there. I don't, 
even statewide, bro. Like, there's some tours that are happening down in L.A., but they pick people up. They go to a dispensary. Yeah, it's not really the same, yeah. It's not, it's not the same thing that you're doing. So people say, well, you have competition out there. There's people doing tours. It's like, yeah, yeah not, really. not really. They're doing <laughs> yeah. tours of dispensaries, and they're driving that through the brands that are paying them. But, yeah. you know, with what you're doing, um, you know, it's really more about getting down to the fundamentals and actually putting your hands in the dirt and understanding, you know, less about the brand consumption side and more about the cultivation delivery, like farming side. Yeah. And the history and the culture and all that stuff. Yeah. And that's, and, and I think that's one of the things that like will allow me to sustain myself in the future. I don't like some of these, like I'm a full supporter of anybody who wants to start a cannabis tour company, because I think we need more of them even up here. Like I think we could use two or three more companies up here. Um, cause a, a tourism industry is not one business. Like that's the interesting thing is I can't do it by myself. So I, I welcome more cannabis businesses all throughout the state, like cannabis tours. It's, we need it cause it's just going to build more momentum, you know? But I think a lot of, like, I don't know if a lot of these cannabis tours companies are going to be around in 10 years, just their model. You know what I mean? I just don't see, I don't see how, or, I don't see where the, where the, where the money is. You know what I mean? Well, you, I think you <clears throat> kind of said it, you know, early on, which is you gotta have you know, connections with the tourism board and the tourism board has to be promoting you. And then, yeah. you know, you got to be connecting with other tourism boards and, you know, there's, I think there's a lot of opportunity out there. I think you're really, you know, you're so busy running the day to day and this is what happens in cannabis people. Like when you see somebody doing this and someone like Matt, who's, who's running a business the way he is, a, he's passionate about what he's doing and he, and he has a, a purpose to what he's doing you know, and he's, he's one man banding it for the most part. And so like help support these people. Don't just buy into the flashy businesses that are out there that are getting in your face, do your homework a little bit and find out who's running these businesses, what they're doing it, why they're doing it. That's the most important thing that I think uh, why I'm involved and why I think you're involved is that, you know, you could use a cliche of we trying to keep it pure. It's not really about trying to keep it pure. It's about trying to keep it straight so we don't lose our roots around what got us where we're at. Yeah. And that's important. Cause like, I mean, if, yeah, the roots are important. Like it can't all just go to Budweiser type businesses and pharmaceuticals. You know, it's like, it, it takes the medicine out of it. Like the medicine comes from the people who grow it. Some of it, you know what I mean? The best medicine. It's, you know hu- I mean? it's human capital, man. It's, it's the people yeah. that are, and you can't, you can't make that in a laboratory, you know, and you can't make it on a large scale either. You know, you can. And the, and again, that goes back to the spectrum of, you know, you're going to have weed heads to pharmaceutical and people are going to yeah. two dirty words in cannabis science, you know <laughs> what I mean? And data. And so those <laughs> yeah. are two things that people like, you know, they just don't want to hear it, but there is a play for science. I've gone to these conferences where people oh, yeah. are developing and stripping out just the CBN to focus on helping people with sleep disorders or Crohn's or whatever. I think a hundred percent, I support that. You know what I mean? Those people aren't consuming cannabis. They're consuming a byproduct of cannabis and yeah. don't really qualify as a cannabis consumer. So therefore you kind of take them out of the loop, but it's a different business. It's like, it's 100%. like a, it's like a, it's like the, the beer company is worrying about the, pain the aspirin companies or something like yeah they both kill pain i guess but well, different businesses yeah yeah i think i think tours can be huge in humboldt county though it's massive Ah, uh, you're be, there bro you're you yeah. just unfortunately you you started a little too early that's the one bad thing right but the good thing yeah. is is that you kind of worked out the hiccups and the bumps and the bruises and now you're positioned you know i still tell people we're crawling in this space we're still a toddler with the poopy diaper like we don't Oh, yeah. by any means have it figured out. I mean, this, there's still, 
you know, no, we're like the tech industry in the sixties or seventies, right? The first <laughs> computer that was the size of a room. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, there's a lot, there's so many parallels between the tech industry and the cannabis industry too, like the, the growth and the investment and the speculation. And there's, there's a lot to, I think we have a lot, a lot to learn from the tech. But industry. it's global, bro. Like whereas tech was kind of regulated to one certain area of the country yeah. for a minute and now it's brought, you know, it's kind of broadened its footprint, but with cannabis, it's everywhere. It's, you know, it's, it's a, I tell people we are no longer in, you know, the dark with cannabis. We are now in a cannabis revolution as it's yeah. ripping across the globe. Um, and as, uh, yeah, as other countries are coming on board, um, ca- you know, California is great. America is great, but there's countries that are like stomping the gas pedal and taking yeah. advantage of it and, and learning in different, um, elevations than what we're learning right now. We're so over regulated and over politicized that some point it's strangling the ability to grow as well as the financial implications of that. I mean, Oh yeah. California is sitting on a little under 400 dispensaries when it had over 5,000 pre 64. So we have, Oof. we have a lot of growing to do. And I think if you just stick it out, bro, you'll be fine. It's just a matter of making sure you get up every day and, you know, eating that nice big bowl of shit that we both share. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> that's what I'm, that's what I'm now, now just one foot in front of the other. I heard, I heard the, the, like the, I get these different mantras in my head that some things people tell me, but somebody, I forget where I heard it, but somebody said like 90% of a business is just persistence. You just have to stick with it. And most of the people that fail just don't stick with it long enough. And being okay um, with your fails, failures, but just not replicating them, you know, like it's okay yeah. to fuck up. Just don't keep fucking up the same thing. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? If something's not working, change it. Yeah. Change it. Yeah. Hey Matt, um, we've had a great talk. It's been about an hour almost now. And I oh, want to wow. give Thank the you. listeners a chance to find you online, find you on social. And then, you know, I'm a big fan of what you're doing and uh, I'm going to be telling more and more people about it. And so love to, after we get off this call, talk a little bit about how, you know, what we can do more to help. Um, and I'm talking to me personally, primarily, as well as the company, but yeah. just really help, you know, gain awareness and, and maybe pitch in a little bit more than we have been. So let people know where they can find you online and where they can find you socially. And then we'll wrap it up. Great. Yeah. So people can visit my website. It's humcannabis.com. It's H U M C A N N A B I S.com. They can also shoot me an email at info at humcannabis.com or they can give me a call at 707-839-4640. We're also on uh, Instagram and Facebook. We're at Humboldt Cannabis Tours, nice and easy. And also, I'd like to offer the listeners of the show um, a discount. So if you book online or over the phone, you can use discount code um, Canna Karaoke, and we'll get a 10% discount on a tour. Brad, dude, that's super nice of you to do that. And I'll make sure that when we push it out, that we include that in there. And, and we'll be pushing it out um, you know, through Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, our own website, as well as our social media. So Dude, it's been amazing. Um, I've learned a lot about what you're doing. I'm definitely going to make some time to come up and go on a tour. So uh, thank you for the time today and uh, really look forward to uh, circling back later. Yeah, thanks so much. I just want to invite everyone to come up to Humboldt. Come see it for yourself. It's, uh, you'll be changed. That's a wrap. Thank you for listening to this edition of Cannabis Karaoke, another kick-ass podcast about all things cannabis. 
You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and our website, CannabisKaraoke.tv. And if you or someone you know would like to be on the show, please hit the Book Your Interview button on the right. Cannabis Karaoke, grab the mic and tell your story. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey there, my name is Leah Babrudi, and I'm the founder and host of Canachicks Podcast, where I discuss cannabis, psychedelics, and other natural medicines. I not only interview people who use them as treatment for different conditions, but also the entrepreneurs who share their knowledge on how they built their businesses. If this sounds interesting to you, give my show a listen. I'm sure you'll learn something that'll surprise you.